This morning, we are privileged to have Elise, Ellie, with us this morning. Um, Ellie's father, uh, Terry, that's right, Terry McIntosh, is the pastor of Berean Baptist Church in Livonia. Uh, My connection there is that Lena's cousin, uh, who came up here a long time ago to work for GM, found himself a wife, and uh, has become a full Michigander to my chagrin. He he is, uh, we, we love them dearly, Wes and Melissa, and they go to... Berean Baptist in Livonia, and, uh, and Ellie knows their, their family, and uh, so that's my connection to their church. I hear nothing but positive things uh, from my family there. Uh, they enjoy that church very much. Uh, Elise is working with Bethesda Outreach, uh, planning to go to South Africa, and she's going to give us a recap of her ministry, what she hopes the Lord will do through her, and I hope that you will give her your full attention. She's going to take a, a few minutes for questions at the end, I believe, so I'm going to turn it over to her now. Yeah, I'm here. Are you guys okay with that? I like to walk around. I have two requests of you today. The first is that you smile at me every once in a while, because there's just one of me, and there's a lot of you, and that can be a little intimidating sometimes. Um, and the second job that I want to give you is to be curious today. There is um, a lot. There are a lot of nuances to the ministry that I'm going to be working with, and there's no way that I can address everything about this ministry. So. I would encourage you to have questions. Like he said, I'm going to have some time at the end um, to hopefully answer some of those for you. Um, But I want to give you every opportunity to understand the ministry as fully as you can. I'm going to share with you a little bit about myself first, and then I am going to go into the ministry of Bethesda Outreach. I grew up in a pastor's home, surrounded by missions, the gospel, um, but I never, ever wanted to be a missionary. I actually remember telling God, God, if you're going to make me be a missionary, it's going to have to be somewhere comfortable and posh, like Europe, and it's not going to be Africa, (laughs) and I'm going to Africa. Um, As surely as I knew that I didn't want to be a missionary, I knew that I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I feel like that's what God has gifted me for. He's given me a passion to work with children. Um, That's always been a constant in my life, but I'm also a planner. Had you asked me in high school where my life would go, I would have told you completely how my life would look. I would go to college, get my degree in teaching. I would meet and marry the man of my dreams. We would, he would be a pastor, and we'd have a dozen kids and live happily ever after in the great United States. None of that has happened. <laughs> um, there's no man, there are no kids, and I'm going to Africa Um, But in all of the changes that God has made in my life, every single major change that he's made in my life, he's proved to be faithful. Um, He's showed that he is in control, and what he has for me is so much better than what I ever had planned for myself. I have spent about nine months with this particular ministry in South Africa. I know it intimately. I love it, Um, and it's very unique. Um, And I want to share with you um, a a little video. It's about seven. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Not a video. (laughs) Because I'm a teacher, we have a quiz this morning. (laughs) Um, I want um, just ten short questions to give you a little bit of information about South Africa. And then um, towards the end, we talk a little bit about the, um, the, the big issues that are happening in South Africa. 
So this is where you get to shout out your answers. Which of the following countries does not border South Africa? There are four countries that do border South Africa. Which one does not? You, I'm sorry? That is incorrect. (laughs) Not Botswana. You can change it. It is actually Zambia. There's a picture of South Africa. It's the green country in the bottom. It's bordered by those four countries, and it actually includes, it, it, it goes completely around two um, other countries, uh, uh, Lesotho and Swaziland. So what is the famous mountain in Cape Town called? Anybody? Table Mountain, absolutely. South Africa is a beautiful and diverse um, country. There are coastal regions and mountainous regions. I'm not in either one of those. I am in the arid regions, <laughs> which is a little hard for this redhead to take, but that's okay. What is the main language of the government and national unity in South Africa? It is not Afrikaans. It is English. This makes me so happy because I don't have to learn another language. This is phenomenal. These are big things, people. Um, who, do we have any hunters in here? Hunters? Any hunters? All right, this is for you guys. This question has to do with the big five in South Africa. These are the most desired, most hunted, most dangerous animals. Which do we think it is? Everybody thinks it's D or C? Oh, we're missing one. You can change it. Yes, kudu is delicious. <laughs> it is actually B, and this always surprised me because who thought buffalo would be part of the big five? Um, this is a very big deal in South Africa. The, the big five there, the lion, elephant, leopard, rhino, and buffalo are on their money, so any paper money has those animals printed on it. For whatever reason, it's a huge deal in South Africa. Who first established a permanent presence in the southern tip of Africa? You're correct. The Dutch, um, which the South Africa has a very large population of white Africans, which most people don't, don't understand that. There's a lot of white people in South Africa, um, but they are of Dutch descent. They're called Afrikaners. How many official languages does South Africa have? I'm, I'm not getting a lot from this side of the... Seven? Nope. No. Eleven. Yes! Which is another reason why I'm so excited that I get to speak English. Um, if you are a white South African, what language do you actually speak? You speak English. What else? Afrikaans. I heard it. You speak Afrikaans and English if you are a white South African. Um, The more um, politically correct white South Africans will now learn some of the main black language, which which is Tswana, but that's only if you're progressive Afrikaans. Black South Africans will will know English. They will know Afrikaans because of their political history and the the Afrikaans... um, Uh, oppression of the black South Africans in their history. So black South Africans will know English, Afrikaans, they will know Tswana, which is the main black language, and then often they will also know 
their personal tribal tongue, Zulu or Kosa. Um, and I don't have to learn any of those. Who was inaugurated as the first president of a fully democratic South Africa, May 10th, 1994? Everybody should know this. Nelson Mandela, not Morgan Freeman. <laughs> this man, um, who recently passed away, is regarded as a god in South Africa. He is revered by all black South Africans. He is revered by many white South Africans. Um, and he is, he is, they call him Modibo, I think. And that's a term of great respect, um, father or grandfather to them. What percentage of South Africans are unemployed? What do we think? It is not 40, actually. What is it? No, it's 26, actually, which seems low. However, if you move outside of the cities, the main cities, you hit what are called townships, which are tin shack villages, no running water, no electricity. And if you look at those tin shack villages alone, you see upwards of 80% unemployment rates within those um, communities, which leads to a lot of things. It leads to, um, the, the biggest thing it leads to is crime within those communities. And that's where I am. Don't tell my mom that it's dangerous. <laughs> um, we need to keep her calm. Um, so within the, within the townships, they are much harder hit with unemployment. And those townships are also almost completely 100% black South Africans. Um, the white population is more in the cities. What percentage of South Africans ages 15 to 49 are HIV AIDS infected? Sorry? It is not 30%. Actually, this is another somewhat surprising one. It's 17.3%. But that means 5.6 million people. It's a big number. Um, Sub-Saharan Africa is the hardest hit region for the HIV AIDS pandemic. Uh, India is getting there. India is getting close to us. But right now, Sub-Saharan Africa is the dominant um, region for the HIV-AIDS um, pandemic. Most children with HIV live in South Africa. 94% of the world's children that are orphaned or have HIV are in South Africa. And they have, South Africa has the highest number of people living with HIV in the world. And our last question. What percentage of South Africa's 3.5 million orphans is orphaned because of HIV? That doesn't necessarily mean that they are HIV positive, but it means that their parents or their caretaker is, has died because of AIDS. Anybody? It is 60%. C. That means 2.1 million orphans in South Africa because of one disease. That's why, that's why Bethesda Outreach, the ministry that I'm working with, has chosen to focus on South Africa. Um, I want to show you a little bit of a video. Now we're getting the video. It's about seven minutes. It'll give you a foundation of the ministry itself, and then we'll chat a little bit more about Bethesda. There is a threat to the future of Sub-Saharan Africa, HIV-AIDS. 
for millions of people in Africa, AIDS is an integral part of their life. AIDS has taken away sons and daughters. It has deprived children of mothers and fathers. AIDS has forced people to struggle to find the basic necessities of life while the disease extinguishes the lives of the ones they love. AIDS is real, and it is a threat to the future of Africa. Among the many ways that AIDS is destabilizing the continent of Africa, perhaps the most worrying is the exploding population of orphans. The question must be, what would God want us to do? Through God and His Word, the scriptures tell us that God is the father of the fatherless. God gives justice to the weak and the fatherless, and in Him the orphan finds mercy. James 1.27 is God's mandate for His followers. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Besides the biblical mandate, we want you to know and understand that there is a biblical model for us to follow. All over sub-Saharan Africa, there are many models of child care that are caring for orphans. We believe that our model is the biblical model found in Genesis, where a father and mother, who are biblically one, are committed to godly Christian values and God's word, are the ones caring for the orphans. The vision of Bethesda is to see local churches meeting the needs of orphaned children that they may become disciples of Christ. There are two parts to our vision. One is to assist and encourage local churches, and two, make disciples of Christ. And part of Bethesda's uh, goal is in fact to, to disciple these orphans that are taken into care. To, to raise them as disciples of Christ, sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, changing their lives not only in a temporal sense, but changing their eternal destiny. At Bethesda, we have three key areas of ministry. The first is the village. In the village, we place children who have been orphaned into a family with a mother and a father. These parents have been carefully chosen. The role of each parent is to teach and train the children to know God, know His Word, and learn early to obey the Word of God. It is the goal of Bethesda to help them become godly men and women so that when they reach adulthood, they will be disciples of Christ. Living in a godly family situation helps them know and understand God's design for the family and their role as a believer in Christ. And then uh, one other thing that we are looking forward to is to see individuals children being like Christ, you know, like Bible always, you know, just to show them that the, the, the God that saved us, you know, teaching them that kind of teachings, you know, raising these children and just to be courageous and strong and continue from this age where we are, you know. It's not easy, but the beginning of the global class will make it. The second area of ministry is Jabulani Christian Academy. It was important to establish a school that would equip the children educationally. Many of the children who come to Bethesda are far behind in school. 
Jabulani Christian Academy is able to work with the children where they are educationally and help them catch up to where they should be. The ministry of the school reaches beyond the walls of Bethesda and into the community about us. Children from nearby communities attend our school. This is a tremendous outreach, and there are several children and parents who have come to know Christ through the ministry of the school. The third area of ministry is the community outreach ministry. This ministry again is reaching outside the walls of Bethesda to encourage and assist local churches to meet the needs of orphans. There are so many orphans in sub-Saharan Africa that we have tried to be creative in the ways that we are helping to meet the need. There are many ways that we do this, through training people to care for orphans. It might include feeding schemes to feed hungry orphans. We help plant gardens. We encourage and assist other orphan ministries. We work with foster parents by encouraging them in various ways. We offer training or give them respite from the daily routine of life. And most importantly, we come alongside of local churches to assist and encourage them to start an orphan ministry. Would you be willing to partner with Bethesda Outreach Ministries? By becoming a staff member to fulfill needed positions at Bethesda, do you feel God has placed in your heart a desire to help children and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you are 19 years of age or older, Bethesda Outreach Ministries would love you to consider career missionary possibilities. We offer ministry opportunities that can fulfill the desire you have to serve Christ and use your skills and abilities. By becoming an intern for a summer or as a short-term missionary, Bethesda has a place for you to serve needy children and discover how you can have a real impact in God's kingdom. You could bring a team to Bethesda. Teams that come to Bethesda should be filled with individuals who are looking for a life-changing experience, have a desire to help orphans, and want to experience their faith in Jesus Christ in a greater way. You can support an orphan or family monthly. In a very real way, Bethesda Outreach works for their supporters. We believe that we have a responsibility to be a good steward of the funds that generous donors have given. We see your investment as an obligation to use your donation wisely and to faithfully care for the needs of the children as we have promised. You can give a gift towards the monthly ongoing expenses of Bethesda or capital needs. Every 15 seconds, another child becomes an HIV AIDS orphan in Africa. Your prayers and gift today, no matter how small or how large, goes to help children who are suffering without a mommy or daddy to care for them. Do you know what's cool? I know those kids. I know those people that are working there and I love them. Um, I want to walk through a little bit more of the foundations of Bethesda um, as we continue. When you think of an orphanage, what are the images that come to your mind? Anything? Crowded. Crowded. What else? Poor living conditions. Understaffed. Um, That's the end. Sorry. (laughs) Um... That's not Bethesda. Bethesda saw the need of um, the desperate situation of the orphans in South Africa, but they did not desire to simply come in and take care of physical needs. 
Our desire is to come in and not only take care of physical, educational, emotional needs, but most importantly, the spiritual needs of these kids. Because without Christ and without the gospel, nothing will change in South Africa. It's hopeless without God and without Christ, without the gospel. So when a child comes to Bethesda, they are placed into a home, which is more like a permanent foster care system. We have house parents, black South African mothers and fathers, who have committed to raising these kids as disciples of Christ. This home becomes their family. These parents become their parents. The siblings that are in that house, the other orphans that are in that house with them, become their brothers and sisters. For many of our kids, they come to Bethesda when they're infants. So this is all that they've ever known. This is their family. And by setting it up that way, we have ample opportunity to raise these kids to be Christ followers. Um, Can you go to the next slide? Bethesda, like we've said many times, is in South Africa. Just wanted you to get a picture of where exactly in South Africa we are. We're in that little yellow province called the Hautang province. It is the smallest of nine, but it has the highest population of people and the highest um, population of orphans as well. So Bethesda has three different ministries, which they talked about in the village. just shared with you about the children's village, the, the part of the village that we take care of the orphans. Right now we have about 60 kids that are in our care, five homes. We've got a sixth home ready to be filled. Um, they're just looking for the right couple to be house parents, and then we'll put eight to 12 kids, more kids in that home. And these children will stay at Bethesda until they are about college age. And as they stay at Bethesda, we teach them how to budget their money. We give them skills to grow on. Um, If they go on to college, they're welcome to stay with their family, and they pay a small amount of rent as they work. Um, We teach them the skills that they need to survive outside of Bethesda. Um, But that's not the most important thing we teach them. Um, The second area of ministry is Jabalani Christian Academy, and I'm going to get back to that one in a second Um, And the third area of ministry is the hands of mercy. We understand that we cannot meet all the needs in South Africa. We don't want to be in this bubble inside of our gated community that doesn't reach out into the, um, the rest of the surrounding community. We want to have an impact there as well. Bethesda has been in established where they are right now for about 12 years, and they have a great reputation within, um, the city of Hamanskral where I am. And um, we work with local churches, local pastors, and encourage them to take up this, you know, mandate of caring for the orphans in their community because we know that we can't do it all. So we seek to come alongside, assist, encourage, um, help them to start their own orphan care ministries with the mindset of not just taking care of, I'm not just feeding them once a week, I'm taking care of their spiritual needs. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up on you. I'm sorry. We can go to the next slide. I'm going to come back to this one at the end. My role at Bethesda is in that second area of ministry, Jabalani Christian Academy. I am educated as a teacher, elementary teacher, and I get to work with all of the kids. But just like the rest of Bethesda, Jabalani is a very unique ministry in and of itself. We have 60 kids on property that we take care of, 
we have 125 kids in our school right now. So we have kids from outside of Bethesda's gates coming in, and I get, to shoot, I get the opportunity to share the gospel with those kids and to our Bethesda kids. I get to pour into the lives of our Bethesda kids, and I get to pour into the lives of those community kids that aren't surrounded by the gospel all the time, that don't know Christ, who come from difficult situations. Um, so exciting. It's just so exciting to have these unique opportunities um, to share and to work with kids through um, the Jabalani Christian Academy. I cannot wait. Um, as a teacher there, you can go to the next slide. As a teacher there, I will teach anywhere from K through seventh grade. <laughs> Do we have any teachers in the room? <laughs> okay, so sympathize with me for a second. <laughs> I will teach anywhere from K to seventh grade. I will teach up to three grades at a time, and it will possibly change every single year. There's a lot of challenges in there. <laughs> um, so pray for me as I get ready to take on anywhere from K to seventh grade. Um, I'm excited to take it on, but sometimes it's a little bit daunting. Class sizes are small um, at Jabalani, and we, um, like it said, we work with kids where they are. I, one of the trips that I took, I spent three months tutoring a little boy and his brother. They had never been to school. His brother was six, and he was 12, and they'd never been in school, so they were both kindergartners, basically. And now, they're both in the appropriate grades, um, they are doing wonderfully. They were community kids that came from outside of Bethesda's walls. Um, so it's just it's exciting to have those, those opportunities to share with them. Um, if you would go back to that one slide I told you to skip. I know that in the, um, the quiz, I shared with you guys some statistics, but I I try to stay away from statistics because I've been where you are. And sometimes when you say 3.5 million orphans, that just kind of, it does one, or two th- one of two things, in my opinion. It desensitizes us to the needs, and, or it just overwhelms you so much that you just completely shut it out. That's what always happened to me. So I like to share personal stories to give you an idea that these are people. There are faces behind every single one of that 3.5 million statistic. One of the first, the first trip that I took to South Africa, I was 18. I'd never been out of the country except for Canada and South, and, and no, and Mexico. Canada and Mexico. Um, it was the second time I'd ever been on an airplane. I knew nothing. <laughs> I don't know why they let me come. Um, but I went for six months. And about halfway through my time there, I um, had friends come and visit me. And I had an opportunity to go out into the community with my friends. Um, whenever a team of people comes to Bethesda, we try to, at the beginning of their visit with us, we try to show them all of the different ministries that are happening outside of Bethesda's gates as well. So we visit um, community churches that we work with. We visit daycares that we work with. And one of the places we always take them is a cemetery, which seems strange. It's just a normal cemetery um, in one of the townships. And it was the first time that I'd been to this cemetery, about three months into my first trip there. And you get in, and it's totally crowded. 
you can't walk between the graves. There's, there's room for one person down the aisles, basically. Um, and it's a little overwhelming sometimes. We're standing there talking to the caretaker. It was a Friday, and in South Africa, you bury your dead on Saturday. So there were about 20 open graves ready for the burials for the next day. And I was talking to the caregiver, and he's telling us all of their plans to, um, to that they're going to have to uh, expand very soon because they're rapidly running out of room. And I was looking around the cemetery, and I noticed one corner, a large part of the cemetery, that seemed empty. And I said, if you're going to expand, you know, my American fix-it-all mindset if you're going to expand, use this corner. Like, that'll buy you some time. And he said, that corner is very full. And he said, that corner is where we put everybody that's not wanted. Everybody that dies on the street that has nobody to claim them. Um, all the kids that are discarded. Um, and I was dumbfounded. And I that that day will forever be emblazoned on my mind. I remember going back to um, Bethesda's property and walking the roads that night, um, as was a habit of mine, and reflecting on the day, tears just pouring down my face. I'm not an emotional person, but this, I just, I broke down because I knew that all things being equal, the kids that I had been pouring my life into for three months should have been in that corner in that cemetery. And I felt hopeless. I felt so discouraged. And I just kept praying. And I remember this sense of peace after I'd prayed for a little while. And just God reminding me that it's not a hopeless situation in South Africa. That I have the hope of South Africa in me. And I get to share the hope for South Africa, which is Jesus Christ, which is the gospel. Like I said earlier, that is the only way anything in South Africa is going to change. So, I share that with you to encourage you to remember to pray for what's happening in South Africa, to remind you of the importance of the gospel, not just in other communities or in other countries, but within your own home, within your own communities, your neighborhoods, your workplaces. Everybody needs the gospel. Um, okay, I'm going to close a little bit. Um, I want to share with you the need. That's the last slide. I need people to pray for me. This raising support adventure that I'm on has been the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. I never expected it to be. I always thought this would be a snap, no big deal, and it is discouraging a lot. Um, It can be encouraging, too. There's so many ups and downs um, when it comes to raising support. But pray for me. Pray that I would be joyful, not because of circumstances, but I would be joyful in the knowledge of God, that I would rejoice in my salvation, um, that I would be encouraged as I spend my days talking to pastors or talking to secretaries and sending emails. Um, You can pray for Bethesda as well as they make decisions on how to grow, um, how to fundraise themselves so that we can add more houses, so that we can take care of more kids. Um, And as they make decisions on 
who to put in charge of those houses to take care of and become responsible for these kids that we um, bring. Um, I have about 100% of my monthly or my um, one-time needs, which is great. That takes care of a car when I get there, outfitting an apartment, flight over there. But I'm still in need of monthly partners. I need people to join with me. Um, I have people that partner with me from $20 a month to $1,200 a month. Um, it's quite a uh, gamut there. But as things are going, it's looking like I need, I'm going to end up with more individual supporters than church supporters. Um, so pray about it. Think about maybe as a family taking me on, getting to know this ministry. Um, if you're interested at all, I've got information at the table over there. I'd love to chat with any one of you about anything I've talked about tonight. Tonight. It's not night yet. <laughs> this morning. <laughs> um, but I want to open it up for a couple of minutes of questions. Um, and then we can close. And I can let you go. Like I said, be curious. So, How do they choose the communicators that come? To the school? Um, it, is, it is more of... It's a little bit of first come, first serve, and how old they are, because we need to spread out the age ranges. You know, we might have a couple of openings for fifth grade and a couple of openings for third grade. Um, So we look for third and fifth graders. But in South Africa, all school is government run. So if you are in um, in a community school, a government school, you have somewhere between 50 and 80 students in each classroom. And it's not free. You pay for it. So a lot of parents are looking for better options for their kids. Um, And Bethesda is a little bit cheaper than going to a government school. So it's desirable. Um, Right now we're raising support or we're raising funds to add another building to our current school so that we can make, so we can open it up to more kids. Questions? Any more? There should be lots more guys. It fluctuates. Um, We have two full-time American teachers, and we have, I believe, four full-time South African teachers. Um, And then we have interns that come in anywhere from three months to two years that will fill in some of the gaps for us. But like I said, I have to be flexible. So if for whatever reason, we only have those six teachers and no interns, then it's, it's us that takes care of all of the teaching responsibilities. So we need more teachers. If you're looking to be a teacher, <laughs> come talk to me. Any other questions? You can. Um, we actually have a, I forget what they call it, closed closet type of thing so that when parents, the house parents, see that their kids need to change out some of their clothes, they take them and they exchange clothes basically out of these donation tubs that we've been given. Um, But there's other, I mean, if you're more interested in helping school or it just kind of depends on what your heart and your desire is and then we can get you in contact with the director down there and his wife and they can give you a little more perspective on what's needed at that time. Nothing else? Guys, I told you to be curious. So that position of house parent is just fascinating to me. You don't 
micro forms of kids like foster parents, how does that work with the selection and training of those parents? That's a great question. Um, we wanted to be very intentional, obviously, of the people that come in and take on the responsibility of house parents. Um, so one of our requirements for house parents is that the father has an outside job. Majority of our house parents currently are pastors of local churches around Bethesda. Um, some of them work on property. We don't want it to be a oh, we can come in, it's a free ride. My wife and I don't have to pay for anything. We just have to take care of a bunch of kids. We want people whose hearts are there. Um, So up until this point, we have looked at a local seminary for a lot of our house parents, um, a seminary that we um, agree with theologically, doctrinally. um, And the ones that were up there, we've got several families that have been there from the beginning almost. And Um, They came in because it's their heart and their desire to serve God in this way, um, which leads to long-time being long-time house parents, which is great, and that's what we're looking for. So right now it's recommendations from people that we know or we go to a local seminary and kind of feel around and see if there's anybody who's interested. But it's it's months of training. It's (laughs) sometimes it seems like a not very desirable job. because of all the training and um, just the restrictions that you have being a foster parent. But it's a good job. We like this job. <laughs> yes? Is there any opposition from the local government? There is not. Um, the only thing that we run into, uh, Bethesda's desire is to do everything above board. So we don't do anything outside of the government's okay. And they actually, for each kid that we get, we, we have a small grant that helps to pay for those kids' expenses. Um, and the government works with us. There's, there's no opposition. They're, they're open to working with us. They see that this is a good thing. It's helping to take care of their orphan population. Um, but sometimes there's hang-ups with the government just because it's the government. And we waited for two years We had a house ready, built, furnished, totally ready to go, and we waited for two years because we needed one signature before we could fill the house. And we could have filled it without anybody really knowing. I mean, we could have not, we could have not followed the government's mandates, but um, we chose to wait, and we ended up waiting two years to get this one signature so that we can actually fill the house with kids. So sometimes there's problems like that, but you're going to run across that anywhere, um, and it's just two times as worse in another country because everything is slow. <laughs> you don't wear watches at all. <laughs> I went to, I had dinner with someone, and I was like, okay, dinner's at 6. And they showed up at 8. <laughs> okay, it's a little dry, but <laughs> dinner's here. <laughs> um, any other questions? Yes. less than 5%. Majority of kids in South Africa that need a home that are orphans are perfectly healthy little kids. Um, we have a couple that are HIV positive, um, but we, tr- we keep their identities secret. Um, we protect their privacy as much as possible, but there's not very many, and the need is more for just, these are perfectly normal, healthy kids, and they just have no one to take care of them. So one more hand over here. 
No. School year is January to December. There's four terms and um, a couple a couple week breaks in between those terms. So that means for me, um, I will come home hopefully more frequently, but with shorter amounts of time because I can't just leave my classroom without anybody. So I think the longest break is the one from December to January, the end of the school year to the beginning of the next one, and that's three or four weeks. All right, anybody going to have a hernia if they don't ask a question? No? Okay. Guys, thank you so much for listening and allowing me to come share my heart with you. I have lots and lots of information over here, prayer cards, magnets, brochures about Bethesda, and then um, information on supporting me if you're interested, as well as a sign-up for a newsletter. Come chat with me if you think of more questions or want some information. Thank you.